Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 739. We are here to solve our members and customers' problems. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Jeremy Porter. Hey, Jeremy, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am ready if you are, and uh, we possibly may crash, but it'll be fun. (laughs) Well, let's not do that. I mean, we both got our Hans devices on today, so we're safe and sound. Jeremy Porter is the CEO at the Atlanta Motorsports Park in Dawsonville, Georgia. He's the leading protagonist at the park, and his vision of building a groundbreaking eco-sustainable racetrack featuring some of the most exciting elevation changes in the world took place back in 2008 and three years later the park opened its doors and the track. Today it's ranked one of the top tracks in North America and its Formula One design main circuit plays host to some of the leading car manufacturers and racing teams. There's also an innovative kart track on the property as well. Formerly a partner at WMI, Jeremy specialized in business strategy, organizational development, and human capital. And before that, he was VP of operations for the Corbin Group. He's a racer as well who enjoys plenty of track time. So, Jeremy, I've told our listeners just a little tiny bit about you. Would you take a moment to share a little bit more about your business, the track, and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Well, you know, I've just enjoyed cars and bikes and go-karts, anything that burns fossil fuels pretty much most of my life and just enjoyed it. And Actually, I have three children that are very young, seven, nine, and 11, two girls and a boy that I've kind of roped into this as well. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's it's just been an amazing ride in learning about cars, learning how to drive go-karts, dirt bikes, cars, anything that you can imagine. And the business process has been enjoyable as well in the sense that it, there was a lot of things I knew nothing about, which was pretty much everything to do with running, owning, or building a racetrack. So, it's been a drinking from the fire hose, for lack of a better phrase, kind of environment since 2007 and 8. And not to mention, we went through a recession or a depression in some places. Oh, so yeah. It's been amazing. Well, you took on an enormous challenge, and kudos to you and the team you've worked with because your facility is absolutely spectacular. Man, you are having some fun um, and some challenges. We had a great little pre-show chat about a little bit about uh, dealing with decibel regulations and all the sorts. But as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success, and it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So, Jeremy, take the wheel. Well, you know, I've got a few in this. It's I'm kind of a saying guy. One is give a man a fish and feed them for a day, teach a man to fish, and feed them for a lifetime. The other is uh, creativity over capital, which basically means let's not throw money at it. How can we trade, barter, or come up with some sort of solution where we don't spend money? Yeah. And uh, the last one is love people where they're at and serve them well. And then finally, actually, would the last would be we are here to solve our members' and customers' problems. So those are some of the some of the ones that we kind of live by and we talk about and they're on our sign in desk uh, for the, the team that has to sign in hourly. And that's just just what we live and breathe by, so to speak. 
Well, those are all awesome sayings and mantras to live by. And I like the fact that you have it on your sign-in desk because that means you walk your talk. You don't just say something and then don't follow through. So how have those success quotes incorporated into what you've done there at the track? Well, the, the constant feedback that we get from our clients, from the manufacturers, from our members, from the racing teams and organizations that come is, wow, we, we've not been taken care of like this. You guys serve us. You guys give us more than you promise. People are so friendly. They're so nice. They smile. And what that is translated into is we have 485 members, which puts us to be one of the largest membership-based tracks in existence, and we've only been open uh, in May. It'll be five years. Wow! It's translated into into a growing business, and we're fortunate enough to have a a great team and and be here today. Well, the key takeaway I hear from that is customer service, and there's a great book by Carl Sewell I read years ago called Customers for Life, and he was a very successful businessman with automotive dealerships. And he talks about that exact thing is serving your customer, remembering that you don't exist without those other people in your life. You guys figured out that long ago. And I think that was part of my introduction of with your career before you got into this. You understood that human capital effect of uh, how to deal with customers and employees and uh, and everybody that you surround yourself with. Very cool. Well, let's go back in time. I'd love for you to share a story that instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment when you look back that you realize that you were indeed a car guy? You know, it was probably when my brothers, who were much older than I, uh, started getting into muscle cars. One of them had a 67 Firebird. The other one had a 69 Firebird. And we would tinker and work on those cars, and we'd work on cars in the garage. You know, we had all sorts of things that we were always messing with as it relates to mechanical or cars. And then I was just a mechanically slanted guy or, or kid at that point just enjoyed tinkering with stuff taking my bike apart and auto was putting it back together right tvs anything you could think of i was assembling or disassembling at one time or another <laughs> so that's really where it started when i was young and, and being around those cars with my brothers it was enjoyable oh yeah very very cool well let's talk a little bit about some of the roads you've driven down and talk about a big challenge or even a big failure that you face my goodness taking on Moving into a whole new industry, building a racetrack, I can't imagine a more challenging a challenging thing to go after, actually. I mean, it's just incredible to me. So take us to one of those really painful points in time, kind of walk us through it, and then tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum in your business. Well, I've got a lot of failures, more and more failures than successes. But I tell you, you know, when I started this project in 2008, the world came to a halt. Oh, yeah. It, it was amazing. And uh, it was faith building and challenging and terrifying all in the same time. And so when I went forward with this, banks and everybody were slapping me on the back. Yeah, we're going to back you. We're going to do this. All my friends with money said, yeah, we're in it. We're going to be supporting you. And so, you know, I jumped in and started the process, put a website up, things of that nature to get the business rolling. And then the world fell apart. Yeah. Well, all the people that said they would support me were gone. Yep. And I said, well, there's open road ahead of me and people with potential torches behind me. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do it. And so I threw away the newspaper. I didn't read the news. And if you said you were an attorney or in real estate of any form, I would literally walk off mid sentence away from people like that because 
they would immediately pound me with, you're never going to get it done. Nobody's building anything in this in this nation right now. There's no large projects in the state of Georgia. You're going to fail. There's no way to do it. There's no way to raise capital. The, the contractors are going to disappear in the middle of the night. I mean, it was it was unbelievable wow. position. And then secondarily, there was a horse farm across the street that had a lot of money at a property that I was going after to go on zoning that had a lot of money to spend and really, uh, really kind of pressed forward with with trying to shut us down. So there was also come to find out a very famous newscaster that lived in a neighborhood about six miles away that was instrumental in creating opposition. So when we went to the first zoning hearing, and I'd never been to a zoning hearing in my life, and I actually did the zoning, and I'll tell you a quick story that's funny about that. Yeah. Uh, there were 600 people there. Oh, my goodness. There was picketers. There was Channel 2, Channel 5, Channel 11. There was death threats to me, death threats to the city council. The police were there to escort me in and out. Oh, my gosh. Absolute insanity. I mean, absolute insanity. So, you know, we went into the zoning hearing and, and I stood up at the pulpit and uh, or the, the podium, whatever you want to call it, and said, who do I face? Do I face you guys or the crowd? And, and they kind of laughed because obviously I did not know what I was doing. <laughs> yeah. And so we we received the zoning. We got it to much opposition and then a giant lawsuit right after we opened by that horse farm that we went through for five and a half years. Yeah. But we were able to uh, start the process. So basically, Mark, what I'd done is I'd gone after all the people that were sports car owners and said, let's build something. Nobody's building anything. Jump in the boat with me. Let's turn this thing around. Put your money into an escrow account till we reach X amount. And then once we reach that amount, let's go forward. Yeah. So I, you know, it was a very, very expensive project, you know, well over $10 million at that point. I had no, no money personally to put in it and there was no bank funding or anything like that. So I went to the landowner and said, you're going to have to give me terms or I won't buy it. Well, he said, give me a half million down and, and another half million in, I think it was 12 months mm-hmm. and uh, I'll finance it. So then I went to all the contractors. We had 32 bids on grading when you were lucky to get two before that. Right. And I said, you're going to have to give me terms. They said, what? <laughs> yeah, we don't do that. We're not a bank. They said, We've never done that. We're not going to do that. You're crazy. And I said, you have an opportunity to make your equipment move and at least pay the base of that equipment right. and keep your business moving. And I have an opportunity. Both of us have a better chance to succeeding together than apart. Yeah. And they said, okay, I did the same thing with the guardrail people, with the retaining wall people, with the stormwater people, with the asphalt people. Some of them were 60 days, some of them were 30 days, some of them were three years. Wow. So then uh, we stuck a shovel in the ground, uh, lawsuit running after us, you know, by this horse farm. Yeah. And started building and, and putting the, the uh, business together. And what was amazing is we would show up. Uh, the next morning and the equipment would be gone for one of the vendors that were we were working with because it was repoed. I mean, oh. it was just insanity. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. So it, it was, you know, it the 
it came out really well in the end. And I've got a lot of other kind of, you know, challenging stories. And no doubt. My gosh. Well, I mean, the walk or the, the takeaway I get from this is persistence, tenacity and just focus and innovative thinking in the way that you approach the financial end of this. But you're right. I was involved in building, uh, designing, building a corporate headquarters for a company I was with during the recessionary time. And the great thing about the recession at that time was the contractors, we had them lining up to do work because they wanted to do something, right? And uh, they needed some kind of work. So it, it benefited us. The goods and products that we bought to build that project during that time were less money because there was excess of it. People wanted to sell it. So, uh, wow, what a story. Oh, my goodness. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. It's a time when those headlights came on and kind of focused your way down the track for a new direction. And tell us how that aha moment helped you succeed. You know, this was an aha moment a couple years ago, a few years after we were in business. And what I figured out, well, I had two aha moments, one minor and one a lot, a lot bigger, so to speak. The first aha moment years ago was we're a motorsports country club that caters to a neighbor that owns a sports car, not a racer or a wannabe racer. So I went after that market very quickly. And that's why I think I was able to sell three and a half million dollars in real cash memberships before we opened the doors. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's how we funded part of the project. The second aha was a few years ago is we're not a racetrack. We're a social club for motor uh, heads, gear heads, petro heads, whatever you want to call us, that, oh, by the way, we have a racing circuit out back. Yeah. And if you want to drive on that, but let's hang out and talk about cars. Because what I've found, if you go to a racing event, a NASA, SCCA, a DE, driver's education, for those that don't know it, HPDE, high performance driver education, which is basically access to a racetrack. They are literally on the track no more than probably 60 minutes in a 12-hour day. The rest of the time, they're leaning against the guardrail talking about how fast they are, were, or going to (laughs) be, and how fast they were yesterday when you weren't there. (laughs) And, you know, it's amazing. So we have completely shifted our market to be a radical social club that, oh, by the way, we have a racing circuit out back if you want to hang out and drive on that. And with that... We're now up to 208 luxury garages. We have a conference center, a clubhouse. The conference center is three stories and has a car elevator to be able to bring cars to the second floor so we can put them in the meeting rooms. And now we're building a a conference center, mini conference center clubhouse for the go-kart track as well. And so it's really taken off. And the manufacturers and film and TV, we've got a very, very world famous rock star there this week. Well, I can tell you now, it's the lead singer of ACDC because this will air after. Oh, Brian. Yeah, and we have uh, Ron White's there today and yesterday. We've had a lot of famous racers, a lot of famous people coming in and out of gates this week for uh, Cars That Rock. Six episodes are filming there. Wow. And so we have become a manufacturer film and TV kind of mecca because the facilities are more Ritz-Carlton or really very much towards that rather than racetrack. Uh-huh. We want to have the nicest bathrooms at any racetrack in America, and that's what we constantly get because for some reason at every racetrack in America, the bathrooms are absolutely nasty. And I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. This makes sense. They're worse than gas stations. 
Yeah, you know, that's the secret that McDonald's figured out across this country is keep the bathroom super clean. And when people are traveling out on the road for trips and things, they'll always stop at a McDonald's and use the bathroom. And maybe while they're there, they'll buy some food. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I understand. Well, it's it sounds absolutely spectacular, fantastic. And, and kudos to you again and your team for uh, being so su- successful with what you're doing. I look forward to watching that, that new uh, show with uh, Brian and seeing your facility in the background. Very nice. How about a proudest career or business moment? It sounds like you've had many of them, but is there one that really stands out for you? You know, it really would be more personal than business. It'd be uh, being a good father and a good leader. And those would be more important to me than the business side. But, you know, the racetrack being zoned was a big big moment in time. The racetrack opening was another building of the conference center. We were going to build a million and a half dollar one. We built a three and a half million dollar one. And uh, it was another big moment. And, you know, with this new building, we're built, we started on five new uh, buildings uh, at the end of this or the beginning of next month, we're starting on five new buildings and we're, we're going to be putting in a pool at the place as well. So wow. those are kind of cool things that we enjoy. I enjoy, I enjoy, you know, uh, impacting people and, and uh, building business. So, Oh, my gosh. It just sounds like a fan. Next thing you'll need is a uh, workout facility for all these drivers so they stay in shape and uh, they can swim laps and work out. And uh, there you got another piece of the pie. So, Well, we already have a fitness center. Uh, oh, there you go. In there, you've got to see it. We call it our racer conditioning room. And we have, you know, a kid's play area. We're going to be putting it inside. We have a kid's – we're going to be putting a kid's play area outside because we really want it to be a place to bring the family unit back together. So if mom's out on the track or the go-kart track or the dad is or whatever, the mom and dad and kids can be at the pool. They can be at the restaurant. They can be in the clubhouse, the playroom, and everybody's kind of together instead of that thing that separates the family. So we're looking at, at ways to be able to facilitate that through special events related to kids and adults or, yeah. you know, events to husband and wife, off-site or on-site. Well, it's an awesome way to think because I raced vintage cars for many years and I always felt it was a pretty selfish sport for myself because it took me away from my family. There was nothing at the track for them. If they weren't into cars, it was just a boring day and didn't want to put them through that. So I think you're on the right track, most definitely. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and go back in time. You talked about your two older brothers having those cool cars. What was your first really special car? And if you could share maybe a memory you have with that vehicle. Oh, Lord. It was, uh, gosh, I can't remember the year. It was a yellow RX-7. It was a year after they came out. Absolutely loved this car and uh, had it about three or four weeks and ending ended up running a stop sign and T-boning somebody. In oh, total. no. Oh. oh. It was horrible, horrible. But I ended up buying the uh, 1969 Firebird that my brother had and uh, bought it from him and had that car and that car was extraordinarily special to me and actually right now I'm building a kind of Restro Mod 1969 Firebird that's got uh, the Detroit Speed which is kind of the Corvette suspension it's got a 660 horsepower LS3 and uh, paddle shifts and it'll have a Porsche Panamera interior so oh my gosh should be a little different but a little cool uh, yeah a lot cool sounds like it yeah the the RX-7, I think that came out in 78, because remember when my mom had one, I was in college at the time, and I uh, just say, hey, mom, can you let me borrow that car? It's pretty cool, so. Yeah, it was actually a 79, now that you say it. I was going to say it was a 78. 
but I didn't want to misquote. So. Yeah, yeah, they came out in 78, I'm pretty sure, because I remember it was late 70s when mom got hers, and it was a new car. She was really proud of it, and uh, quite a fun car to drive. Well, how about seller's remorse? Is there a car you've let go that you really wish you had back in your garage? That 69 Firebird. That's that Firebird, yeah, sounds yeah, like it. it. It was. It had the original paint on it, and most of the original interior, and I think it had somewhere around 40,000 miles on it, uh-huh. and the was just you know it was a formula 400 and yeah just just pristine awesome car sounds awesome. nice sounds nice well you talked a lot about what's going on at the track but uh, let's uh, touch a little bit on what has you really excited and fired up right now out there at the raceway you know i was in a bad accident in my teens where i spent some time in the hospital with a broken back and Ooh. actually my best friend's neck. And we created a team driver training program that was 249 last year and it is uh, 295 this year. And it's in brand new BMWs that BMW North America gives us. And it is an all day program, includes lunch. It's way less expensive than the uh, racing school uh, team program. And it's the exact same program. So this is really a ministry or a mission to me to try to impact teams. And we put a lot of people through there. I want to say we put more through our program than anybody else, but I don't quite know all the real data. But the data that we have found, we put when we had five cars last year with BMW, we put an average of, I think, 30 people per month in the prime season and then 15 people people per month in the non-prime season. As I understand, not many people are doing those type numbers. And this yeah. year we have 10 cars from BMW and they're going to, they're going to, uh, we're going to be able to double those numbers because we're doubling the cars. So wow. that's, imp- and then we've started a driving school and a racing academy through uh, the park that's our own that we do through carts as well as people's cars and then um, Skip Barber Racing School has moved to us from Sebring, Road Atlanta, Lime Rock, and uh, Laguna and rolled up to try to create some cash flow and, and to continue to improve their organization. Legacy, great organization, and, and we support and stand behind those guys. And we created a, a you know, a ice hill or a skid pad that simulates driving on ice. It's a seven and a half degree slope. And it's a heck of a lot of fun. So that's another program we're pretty proud of. And then Audi North America has a driving school with us 60 days a year. And then Bobby Orr Motorsports has moved to us that does stunt driving schools from Sebring. So we've got a lot of different things going on. And then the last is we've got an on-staff, you know, chaplain that's there for people in trouble or they're the members or or their relatives or friends, brothers, sisters, whomever, you know, that can help help. Uh, them get through tough times. Wow. I'm, my goodness. I mean, you've got so many cool things going on. I love the the approach to help with young drivers because, boy, they do need help these days with all the distractions. I had a Doug Herbert on my show last year. He has the Brakes program. He lost his two sons in a tragic accident and created that program for uh, young kids to teach them how to be better drivers, safer drivers. So I'm, I'm so happy to hear you've teamed up with BMW. They they brought that out here in the Pacific Northwest at one point, that traveling program, put my kids through that, and uh, definitely helped them on those cold, icy mornings for sure. Very, very nice. Wow, you guys are busy. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Jeremy. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't even know an answer. <laughs> I would be every car and I would want to be every car for a day. You know, yeah. I, you know, I, 
I just, I, I don't know that I could point to just one car. I really enjoy older vintage cars, be it a muscle car, be it a sports car. And for some reason, motorcycles, old vintage motorcycles right now have really captured my heart. And I know it's not a car, but uh, it is, it's car minus two wheels. So, there you go. <laughs> so it, I just enjoy seeing the old vintage race cars and uh, the old vintage formula cars and things like that. And so if I was to nail it and, and boil it down to something, it may be the, uh, gosh, Probably one of the old uh, Formula One cars. Oh, nice. Very really kind of unpredictable and always doing something crazy, you know, underneath your seat and just uh, a lot of fun to drive and, and unpredictable. And that's kind of kind of how I am. I'm, I'm a little <laughs> bit I'm 900 miles an hour and always changing and doing different things and just enjoying. There you, know, you go. See, I knew you'd come up with an answer for me there. So <laughs> very nice. Well, Jeremy, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. What's the worst thing for your car's interior? No, it's not that milkshake the kids spilled in the back seat. It's the sun. Harmful UV rays cook your automobile's interior hour after hour when it's parked outside, even on a cloudy day. What's the solution? Covercraft sunscreens. They protect your dash, seats, and interior finishes from those damaging UV rays while keeping the interior temperature tolerable, even on the hottest summer days. No more painfully sizzling seats and steering wheels for you. They unfold quickly and easily install, stay where you put them, and are custom pattern for an exact fit. The foam core acts as a cooling insulator, and you can get yours in different colors and finishes. And they even fold up easily and store under your seat or on the floor. I've used Covercraft sunscreens for years, and they are a fast and easy solution that protect my beloved cars when they're not in the garage. Learn more and order yours at Covercraft.com. Want to protect your entire vehicle? Get a car cover from Covercraft. They have those too. That's Covercraft.com. And tell them Mark sent you. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimball.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week. Thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah! podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah! website at carsyeah.com. All right, Jeremy, we are back and we're entering the last lap. You know what that means? The white flag's out and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. 
What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Buy a low horsepower car and learn to drive it. Mm, Yes, absolutely. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? You know, it's focusing on the goals, the long-term goals, but then also getting a little bit closer in and looking at what you have facing you right now today, and then crossing those off the list so you have small accomplishments and then you're working towards a larger accomplishment. Yeah. Moreover, I walk away from people that are not neg- that are negative, that are not going to encourage you. And I look for people that are more positive people and surround myself with people like that. Ah, oh, so important. Now, how about a resource? There's a lot of great resources these days, but is there one in particular you could share with our listeners? Well, I am a... A radical researcher. I am constantly discussing best practices, business practices, and things like that with other racetracks. I've actually started a consortium for motorsports country club owners and, and operators, and we've been traveling around to all the other racetracks, and I'm saying what works, what doesn't. Mm. Here's all my documents. Here's the whole keys to the kingdom. Tell me what works, and maybe all of us can be better at the end of the day. Oh, so wow. yeah. my resource is picking up the phone and agitating the racetrack owners with 50 questions. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, if they don't hang up on me or, or tell me to stop calling them, uh, I keep doing it. And hopefully that uh, the things that I return to them will help them grow and their business grow as well. So it's picking up the phone and doing research on, on the web on all of their racetracks and businesses. You know, I've had a lot of uh, racetrack folks on the show here, and I I love that whole concept because sharing what you know can only benefit the group as a whole and the consortium, as you say. And there's so many business people out there that are just so secretive. They won't share anything. They don't talk to anybody about anything, and they don't realize that there could be things that come back to them and benefit them as well. So I'm so happy to hear that's your philosophy on business. it's strange to me in that, Matt. And sorry to interrupt, Mark. It's it's amazing that some of these people I'll call and they're halfway across America. No, I'm not going to, not going to talk to you. I'm not going to tell you anything. Yeah. (laughs) We have, there is no competition whatsoever. And the only thing you can get is value out of it. And so some of those people come around, some of them haven't. And you know, the day you stop learning is the day you start to become obsolete. And if you don't innovate, you die. And if you don't, and if you don't continue to grow, You'll you'll get stagnant. The business won't grow. The, the people won't stay engaged. The members won't stay engaged. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's a passion of mine. I'm, I want to, to break things. Amen to that. Now, if you could have a drink with anyone in the automotive field, living or deceased, who would it be? Oh, Santa. Ah, airtime. Yeah, he's he's one of mine. My listeners know this. I have a, one of his quotes on my business card. I like that guy so much. Yeah, it, I've got his flag that he signed right before his death, and there's a picture of him signing it um, mm. that I got from a guy that, that does a lot of Formula One memorabilia. Mm-hmm. And what a fascinating, amazing guy, you know, with a lot of conflict around him. A guy that was trying to be a Christian, and I'm a failed Christian at that, um, but a guy that was trying to do the right thing and then and had a lot of challenges in his life uh, doing that. But still, at the end of the day, he kept trying to paddle the boat in the right direction. Fast. Yeah, I believe so. And, you know, the country he came from had so much strife and he tried so hard to help, especially children in that country. So, yeah, it just seems like it'd be a great uh, opportunity to sit down and have a drink with him. Now, let's get to a book. How about a book? I would assume you're an avid reader. It sounds like you're one of those kind of people. Is there a book that you want to share with our listeners? 
You know, there's so many different books that I've read over the years. Anything related to Malcolm Gladwell, I don't know if you know who he oh, is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Just tipping point, blink. You know, all of his books are so fascinating to me. It feels really authentic. It feels research-based. I like things that feel a little more valid than opinion. Right. And so his books seem to have that research-based slant, and I can't put them down when I when I read them. So anything related to him is fantastic. It's Your Ship was a great book that I read that is about a captain that kind of turned around the Navy. It's, it's done well with that. You know, just so many. Oh, I know, I know. Yeah, Gladwell's cool, and I love his books because they're, they're pretty quick, easy reads. You mentioned Tipping Point, Outliers, one of my favorites with him, yes. what, what the dog saw, Blink. Yep. Yeah, there's some some great ones with Gladwell, so uh, I agree with you there. Well, I'll remind our listeners you can find all these great resources that Jeremy has shared on his show notes page at the Cars Yeah website. Just type Jeremy Porter into the search bar. There's another great place, speaking of books, called Guest Recommended Books under the Resources tab at CarsYeah.com where there's hundreds of books, including these recommended by Jeremy. Uh, just quick, easy clicks to buy. It's a great resource. I've made it real easy for you to get hands on these awesome reads that my uh, many, many awesome guests recommend. All right, we are up to the checkered flag, and this last question could be a bit of a doozy. If you could have only one really cool collector car in your garage, don't worry about the cost, Jeremy, because I'm going to buy it for you today. What would that car be and why? Gosh, probably the 356 Porsche. Ooh, okay. I, well, one of my favorites, as my listeners know. So which model do you like of the 356? Probably the cab. I mean, it. the car just does something to me. I don't know why. It's a weird car. A yeah, weird. yeah. I mean. You know, the other car that I've really had do that make me have that feeling was when the 458 came out. One of my members showed up and it drove in the gate. The feeling I had, I was like, I was speechless. Yeah. And now the car, I see them every day just about at the racetrack, which is makes them not sexy and makes supercars not sexy anymore. But, you know, wow, just what an amazing car. Yeah, they're really cool little cars. I've always wanted one, and unfortunately, the the market these days have just driven the price up on those to just crazy, crazy levels. I, I, you know, just what it is, but uh, I've always wanted one. For me, it'd be a 58 Speedster or a Coupe, but um, yeah, we can find you a nice cabriolet out there. Yeah, the Speedster's great, and you know, since you're throwing the checkered flag, I guess I need to come up with the list of excuses of why I didn't win the race. Uh, <laughs> start to think of those. <laughs> I understand. Well, Jeremy, you've taken us on an awesome ride around your track today. I knew you would, and I've really enjoyed getting to know you better. And I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with the Cars Yeah listeners. Would you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom and guidance before you rip off down the racetrack in that 356 cab? If you've got a dream, do it. Don't listen to anybody else. Do the research. Lots of research. Follow your path. And if somebody says you can't do it, hang up the phone or walk away and keep going down the right road. There you go. Wise words from a guy who has done it. And what's the best way for our listeners to follow along with what you're doing? We have a, a Facebook account. We have a Twitter account and an Instagram account. Or you can go to our website at www.AtlantaMotorsportsPark.com or old school phone 678-381-8527. There you go. Well, again, listeners, you can find links to everything Jeremy has shared on his show notes page at CarsYeah.com. I would encourage you to check out what he's done. If you're in the Atlanta area, you got to go out and check out this track. Uh, say hello to Jeremy. He, I'm sure he spends a lot of time there. And uh, see what these guys are up to. But uh, more importantly, what he's created and built there is absolutely spectacular. 
Jeremy, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with the Cars Yow listeners and me. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Cars Yeah!